We thank you for that worship song. We thank you for just what you're doing this morning in us, how you've prepared us before we even got here. And Lord, you're doing a work in us right now in this moment that you're going to ask us to respond to. Lord, you're always working in our hearts. But Lord, do we have enough in us to stop and pay attention to what it is that you're doing so that we can we can follow suit? Lord, we want to step in line this morning. And we just want more of your spirit. That's it. More of your spirit this morning, Lord. More of your spirit. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We need you to be in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. You can be seated. Welcome this morning, church. Hope everybody's doing all right. You know, this is, this room's a little bit more cozy, huh? You can kind of hear each other breathe and stuff. It's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot that I got to do to kind of speak about to, to set this up before we kind of just jump right into this thing. You know, two weeks ago, we were, uh, starting off in the book of Haggai and it took me a long time to get through the introduction because I had to set up some history for you and just, Help us understand why these people had the mindset that they did. Um, but there's not a whole lot of that this morning. As much as we're just going to get right into it. We're going to take communion later on today. So i got to leave a little bit of time for that at the end. But it's a time. That communion time is going to be It's going to be good. Because I want what I want you guys to get prepared for is responding. Literally, re- responding. It's one thing to come and sit in church and listen and leave and nothing changes. But it's another thing to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing to you in this time. Amen. Now, see, this message, a lot of times when I've put together messages, either for the college ministry way back when I was leading that. And then even the the couple times that I've preached up here, um, these messages come kind of quick. I'm usually done writing the the gist of what I'm going to talk about by Wednesday. So that I can use Thursday, Friday, Saturday to kind of tweak some things, pull some things out, put some things in. You get preaching material in those days in random conversations. Somebody says something and you're like, hey, that's good. I'm going to use that. Well, this one came late. This one came like Friday afternoon, Friday night. And I was kind of getting nervous like, Lord, what are you, what are you doing here? I got to be able to be prepared for this. I can't just jump up there and, and wing it because number one, y'all don't care what I did. How late I got in or what was happening that we, you guys expect a 10. I'm going to give you a 10. I'm going to give you everything I got every time I preach. And it's going to be the word. Amen. So this came a little bit late. And the, as I, as I thought about it, it's specific to one thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to pose this question to you guys. And I really want you to hear me on this one because this is a big one. Do you fear the Lord in your life? Do you fear him? Do you fear God in your life? I mean, there's it's one thing for me to ask you that question. It's one thing for you to sit there and think about it. But it's another thing to let an answer come. Huh. 
Because when that answer comes, you can kind of line up all the things that you do in your in your life, in your world, uh, from a, a Monday to a Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, whatever it is. And you could probably say, you know what, I do in this area, but I don't over here. I know that I'm I'm kind of fearing God to 75, 80% of my life in this area, but not so much over here. I'm great in this area, but this is kind of suffering. Well, see, the Lord wasn't going to allow me to preach this message or give me what it is that he needed me to say until I feared him. That's why it came so late. And I will never as a pastor, I promise you, I will never ask you to do anything if I'm not doing it myself. I can never ask somebody who I'm leading to go out in front of me if the if I as the leader don't go first. Well, that's what he was doing with me all week. He's like, look, buddy, you're going to preach on the fear of the Lord. Our message. Let me make sure I get this right. Your investment in fear. What you put into fear, your investment into fear will cause you to do one of two things. It will cause you to either live or die. Live or die. Your investment, what you, what you give jurisdiction to in your life will cause you to do one of two things. Live or die. Not kind of get better, kind of get worse. Hey, you took it, you took it to the chin today, but you can just go to sleep and wake up the next day. It's a new day. Guess what? Tomorrow's not promised today. That's real. It's not. So you can't, I don't want to use that language. Your investment in fear will cause you to do one or two things, live or die. And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that something up here has to change. Thought life has to change. Are you choosing life or are you choosing death? Now, I got, I'm gonna use two, I gotta set up two points before we jump into the scripture. Now the first, the first of those I'm going to be talking about how important the Lord sees your mind. He talks about it in scripture, Romans 12 too. We're going to look at that. All right. But let me, before we jump in, excuse me, the second thing is it's a, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just wait on that one. Uh, it's a quote from a movie. Movie's not scripture. It's not, but sometimes movies can, they can say things and you're like, hey, that's good. Like I said earlier, that's good preaching material. So I'm just going to pull something out of a movie. We're going to talk about it, and then we're going to get into the scripture. But for those of you who haven't been here, um, even those of you who have been here since the beginning of going through Haggai, Haggai, however you want to say it, uh, I preached verses 1 through 6. My dad did 7 through 11, and now we're on 12 through 15. Now, in between 11 and 12, there is a massive tone change from the Lord as he talks to his people. Massive. Verses 1 through 11, I'm just going to recap that right quick. And then we're going to see the difference between how he was talking to his people in those verses to verses 12 through 15. And we're going to ask this question, okay, why did he change the way that he spoke to them? What was different? What did they do that caused him 
to speak to him in a different way. Now, verses 1 through 11, I had to come two weeks ago with a whole bunch of history that it says in Second Chronicles 36 that the Jews got sent into exile for 70 years because of disobedience, outright willful disobedience, a willingness to not do what God was telling them to do. So the Lord was like, look, you're going into exile. They come out of exile. As they come out, um, they're given permission to rebuild the house of the Lord. Okay. That's basically that that brings us up to Haggai one. Now, in the first five or six verses, the Lord uses the prophet Haggai to speak to the people. And he speaks to him and says, why is it that you feel like now is not a time to build? So they come out of exile. All right. And they're all excited about building. They put their hands to work. And then something happens in Jerusalem because they got brought back to Jerusalem. Other people, not Jews, saw what the Jews were doing and they didn't like that. So what they did is they went to the king at the time and said, look, look at these people. All right. They have a history, a past of being rebellious against kings. I don't think you should let them continue to do what they're doing. So the king at the time said, you know what? You're right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a stop to this building. So the people, the Jews, kind of gave in to that. Now, how many times in your past, ladies and gentlemen, have you come up against spiritual warfare and is it, it has deterred you from what the word of the Lord, the importance of the word of the Lord in your life? That's, that's basically what we can pull out of that. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be spiritual warfare. But does it take you away from doing what God has asked you to do? That's what happened to these people. So the Lord had to send Haggai in and say, look, here's your heart. Why are you starting to be disobedient when you were sent into exile for 70 years for being disobedient? Don't go back there. And then he says to him, you know what? You're sitting in your paneled, comfortable homes. You are turning to self-preservation because you, you've been hit a little bit by the enemy. All right? Now then Haggai says, or excuse me, the Lord says through Haggai, he's like, all right, well, how's that working out for you? You're enduring a little bit of opposition and what you've decided to do is take care of you first. Take care of your heart first. How's that working out? You got money in your pocket? No, you actually have holes in your pocket. This is all in verse 6. And then he says, do you have food in your cupboards? No. Do you have enough drink? Are you sowing to the point where you have enough? And he's just trying to communicate to these people that, look, the way you're doing it is not working, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. So then uh, last week, my dad preached 7 through 11. And he the, he used a word, he used two words in there that, that are very, very important. One of them was rebuke and one of them was neglect. Continuing to hit these people saying, look, you re- I'm rebuking you because of the neglect that you're showing towards me. I am not God in your life. Making enough money is God in your life. 
having enough food on the table is God in your life. Those are, those are all not bad things, okay? But when they're number one, the Lord has a way of speaking to us to get us out of that. He's rebuking these people left and right, verses one through eleven. And it's like, oh my goodness, come on guys. You got sent into exile for disobedience, don't go back there. So, that's, that brings us up to, uh, Haggai 1, verse 12. Alright? Now, before I, before we jump into that scripture, understanding the difference or the mindset that these people were in, in these first 11 verses, and understanding the mindset that they transferred over to in verses 12 through 15 is unbelievably important. But the Lord wants you to take care of what you let yourself think about. That's something that he asks us to do. Where? Romans 12, 2. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, why doesn't he say heart? Why doesn't he say be transformed by the renewing of your heart? Or be transformed by the renewing of your soul, of your body. Well, when you receive Christ, Christ is the only one who can change your heart. I appreciate what Beck said in first service when he got up here and before he was doing the announcements. He just said, you know what? God is the only one who can change you. That's it. Nothing else can do that. No circumstance. Because in the midst of the circumstance, you have a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to let faith work? Or are you going to let faith in yourself work? Are you going to let faith in Christ work or faith in your past work? Hmm. Pretty sure you guys could answer that question. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind for this purpose, that your mind is the middle management between your heart and your body. It's the middle management between your heart and your body because your heart's already changed. 2 Corinthians 15, excuse me, 5.17. When you accept Christ, you be, you're a new creation. He's changed you. The new things come, the old things are gone. They're gone. So you're already changed. That's how your heart gets changed. But he says something about your mind because your mind is unbelievably crafty. <laughs> unbelievably crafty, but also it's a beautiful thing. Why? Because the Lord made it. But he wants you to concentrate and rest and sit and think and meditate on the right thing. See, the Lord never said, hey, I'm going to change the way a man thinks. Because how I think is different than how Norris thinks. Different than how Blaine thinks. Different, different than how KP thinks. It's what you let yourself think on that he asks you to change. How you come to a, a conclusion, the Lord's kind of made you you. He's never going to ask you to be different. He's just saying, look, concentrate on my word and we'll all end up in the same place. Amen? That's it right there. So let me set this up for you. Let me see, let me show you why this is so important. If you want to be somewhere that is contrary to where you're at right now because you don't like where you're at in any area of your life, any area, I'm talking anything, your, your thoughts have to change. Why? Because your thoughts turn into actions. Okay, what you do over and over those actions become habits. 
you habitually do those things day in and day out from a, a, a small level to a, a big level. Whether that be the way you put on your socks, the way you get into your car, to how often you jump into the word. So your thoughts become actions. Your actions become habits. And what you habitually do over time becomes your character. Why? Because people see that. This is what this person does in this situation over and over and over. So you can pull out character traits from that. And your character is where you're going. If you don't like where you're going, if you don't like how you deal with people, if you don't like how you deal with yourself, you know what you need to do? You need to go all the way back and look at what the word says about you, how Christ speaks about you. I guarantee that'll change where you go because you have a healthy thought life. Are you guys trucking with me on that? It's very, very important that we catch that this morning. Your thoughts breed actions. And those breed habits, which breeds character, and that's where you're going. So again, I'm going to say your investment in fear will cause you to do one of two things. Live or die. Live or die. Now let me make something very, very clear to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. When your mind goes from right or wrong, Better or worse with your decisions, good or bad. This may be something that I can kind of get away with or, hey, I don't need to do this because it's not going to help me at all. When it goes from all of that, that gymnastics, that mental trying to figure it out, to this, life and death, ladies and gentlemen, your entire life changes. So we go all the way back to the thought life. Are you looking at things as right or wrong or life and death? Because... Hear me when I say this, this morning. As you walk into that door, as words are coming out of my mouth, as you leave this place, if the grace of God allows you to wake up tomorrow morning, you are in a spiritual battle as we speak. As we speak, ladies and gentlemen, as I stand up here and speak to you this morning, you are in it. There are principalities, strongholds, the influence of the enemy trying to take you out, trying to get at your family, trying to get at what you do, trying to get at how you think to do one thing, to kill, steal, and destroy you. If you don't get that mentality, if you don't think like that, hey, life is going to be a little bit more tough. You know what? It's going to be a lot more tough. <laughs> hey, just... Let it go, you know. She wants to have me preach. I'm into it. I'm into it. You guys trucking with me on that? Now, here's this. It's a it's a corny movie quote, okay? And again, I'm telling you, movie quotes are not scripture. I ain't trying to preach movie quotes, all right? But this thing helps me uh, communicate to you guys this morning the seriousness of what I'm talking about when it comes to this thing called fear. All right. Now it comes from this movie called After Earth. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a good one. All right. It's got Will Smith in it and his son, Jaden Smith. And to give you a little premise on the movie, uh, it's a, I don't, I guess it's a sci-fi movie, whatever, but they're going from one place to the other. They're flying in a spaceship. All right. 
they encounter some technical difficulties and the spaceship breaks into two. They crash land on this planet, right? As they crash, the head of the plane goes here. The tail of the plane goes here. Jaden and Will Smith are in the head of the plane. Not only did the plane break in two, but Will Smith's legs broke into two. All right. Now, his character role, Will Smith, he's like a, a general, he's a ranger or something like that, and his son is training to be what his dad is. He's like wanting to be everything that his dad has ever been. I could get into more of that, but just go watch the movie, all right? So, plane breaks into two. There's an emergency beacon in the uh, front of the plane that they use to get saved, right? Well, that one doesn't work. It's broken. So what they have to do is go to the tail of the plane, which is a 100 kilometers away, all right, to get the other emergency beacon, shoot that thing off, they get saved. Yay, awesome. End of movie. Great. So Will Smith's legs, broken. He can't move. So he has to send his son to go do it. 100 kilometers away. Does anybody know how long or how far that is in miles? It's like 62 miles, all right? It's like, okay, the front end of Denver is about 45 from here. So we're talking the middle of Denver. This boy's got to run from Fort Collins all the way into the middle of Denver, all right? So it's pretty, it's pretty serious situation because of one thing. He asks his son, he's like, do you know where we are? Now this, they crash land, it's like 100 years from now. Um, I don't know what really the time period is, but it's definitely not now, and it's way in the future. He says to him, son, we've landed on earth. And he gives him this statement. He says, everything on this planet has evolved to kill humans. Everything in the spirit realm has evolved to kill you, to come after you, to take your legs off from underneath you. I want you guys to understand that this morning. Everything. And it's crafty. The enemy's crafty. He'll come at you one way. If that doesn't work, hey, he's not done. He's coming again. But he says something to his son. And here's here's this quote that I want you guys to, to just hear me. To hear the spiritual undertones in this. He says, son, this is not training. Every single decision we make will be life or death. But if we are going to survive, you must realize this, that fear is not real. The only place that fear can take hold in your life is in your thoughts of the future. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may never exist. Then he says something else. Don't get me wrong. Danger is very real. If I step out into that street and a truck's bearing down on my face, you know what? I put myself in danger. Hey, that's a real thing. But fear, ladies and gentlemen, is a choice. How many times have we, and that's the quote, I'm going to jump off that because that's not scripture. Right? It just helped me, under, helped me explain some things. How many times in our lives, in my life, as I'm putting together this message, have I created a situation where 
It hasn't even come to fruition yet, but it's one that puts me at a disadvantage simply because of my thinking. And then I choose fear. The product of my thoughts is going to be a, let me say this, if I fear at the beginning, the product of that is going to, it's going to be a fear, fearful outcome. It's not going to be what Christ wants it to be. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, fear is not real. It only exists up here if you give it jurisdiction. This morning, I'm praying that we don't give it jurisdiction. So we're going to jump into this scripture now, thank goodness. But as I tried to explain in the beginning of this thing, or gave you a little rundown of Haggai 1 through 11, there's a lot of rebuke in there. Because one thing, people had a poor mindset. They let the enemy get into way into the way that they thought, and guess what? It showed. It showed in their life. What part of your life shows that you don't fear the Lord? Because we can talk around it. I can ask you this question and you can think about it while you sit in your seat. But what part of your life shows that, look, you have zero fear for the Lord? Now, this fear that I'm talking about isn't isn't a phobia. It's two types of fear that the word speaks about. Now. Let's just take like arachnophobia, the fear of spiders, right? That's a phobia. And I will not be shy to tell you that I will run out of a room if there's a spider in there. I'm going to stomp that thing out. Done. Not messing with it. All right, that's a real fear for me, okay? Don't laugh. Well, I want you to laugh because it makes me feel good while I'm preaching. But I'm not talking about that. Phobia. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about a reverence. Now, just the Webster definition of reverence is a deep Deep respect. So when I ask you, do you fear the Lord? Do you have a deep respect for how he does things in your life? That's all I'm asking you. If you don't, guess what? It shows. The Lord spoke to me this week. Look, man, your life is telling me that you don't fear me in that area. You straight up do not. However many words you want to throw at it, the proof is in how you live. So all of that is verse 1 through 11. And then something changes. The tone completely changes in the way that the Lord speaks to these people. Right? And I'm asking myself, why is that? So let me read verse 12. And then he doesn't actually speak to verse 13. But in verse 12 it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed. They obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and here's the part that got me. And the people feared the Lord. Now, I got the NIV. Some of y'all might have the NASB or something else. NASB, it says what? They showed reverence for the Lord. So they only did two things. All right? They obeyed him, and they showed fear. They showed a deep respect for who the Lord was in their life. 
what he had brought them through, what he had brought them to, and what he's going to take them into. So let me set this. I mean, are you guys trekking with me so far? See, here's what they did. Figure, just look at this podium as my heart, okay? And God's standing over here. And I'm in the middle. Now, I know everybody in here has had something happen to them in their life where it utterly destroyed you. It broke your heart. You got to a place where you just didn't even, let's be real, you didn't want to live anymore. And it was so pain, painful and excruciating that you thought, you thought on the back side of this thing, how am I ever going to get out of this? Everybody in here has experienced something to that level. I know you have. And you know what? It, it hurts. It is hard to walk through that. Some of you may be in that moment right now. But guess what we do? In verses 1 through 11, this is what happened. These people, God's here, my heart's here, this is me. They turned to their heart and they said, you know what? This thing's broken, man. Grab my duct tape. I'm going to pull that out and throw a few lines on this thing. And let me go grab some Gorilla Glue because I guess, guess that's the best glue on the market. And just hold that of that and help the piece falls off. And you're trying to put this thing back together. And the Lord's tapping on your shoulder. He's like, hey, hey, man, you know, uh, can, you do, can you do me a favor and just... I created your heart, so can I work on it? And you're like, look, God, all right, okay, this thing's broken. I got to work on this so that I can give it back to you and we can be good. He's like, okay. So you continue to do your things. Things are falling off all over the place, and it looks nothing like it looked like in the beginning. There's no way that it can. And he's over here looking over your shoulder. He's like, yeah, how's that working out for you? Doing good? Mm, Not so much. See, when these people obeyed God and they showed reverence towards the Lord, a deep respect, here's what they did. God's there. Heart's here. They did one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, they just took a step back. That's it. And now the Lord can work on his own creation. Why in the world would I take a bicycle to a lawyer to get fixed? He has no idea what that thing, how it works. He didn't create it. Makes no sense. I would take that bike to the man who created it. He'll be able to see things that I can't even see because he's the one who put it together. When you step out of the way, the Lord sees things about your heart that you can't even see, that you can't fix. Amen? So here's what happened in that verse 12. They decided to gain the mind of Christ and step out of the way and let something happen to their heart. And then immediately, immediately, verse 13 comes up. The entire tone from from God to these people was different. Let's read this. It says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. See, you can read all through Proverbs and all through Psalms about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord brings confidence. Why does it bring confidence? Because you don't have to do it anymore. 
you step out of the way and you understand that he's going to do it. He's got all that taken care of. That's why it brings confidence. It brings peace because he's with you, all right? And you no longer have to put your hands on the situation. It brings knowledge because you're now connected to the Father. You're not standing in the way of your heart in him. You want confidence? Get back to the fear of the Lord. You want to walk into any situation and know what to say, how to say, when to say it, have discernment enough to bring whatever part of scripture that the Lord's asking you to bring, get back to the fear of the Lord. You want to lead your family right, men in this room. Get back to being a God-fearing man. Why? Because when you do that, the Lord takes over. He says, I am with you. The next part of this is where the heart change came. I spoke earlier about the fact that the Lord is the only one who can change your heart. That's it. All right? So the rebuke comes from verses 1 through 11. Then they decide to step out of the way and let the Lord do something to their heart. And he immediately comes with encouragement. Then he says this. In verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Some of you guys in here this morning, you are dying for Christ to stir you up in a certain area of your life. I know that you are. You're dying for the Lord to move in something. Why? Because in that something, it shows that things aren't moving. Now, what I love about verse 14 is that as these people stepped out of the way, of their own way of thinking. They gained the mind of God. They gained the mind of Christ. Now in that, guess what comes along with gaining the mind of Christ in our lives? We gain his intentions. What he intends for each one of us to do. And in his intentions, when you read from Genesis to Revelation, God is not a God who is stagnant. He is not a God who does not build. He's not a God who will stand in one place for very long. He will ask you to be quiet. He'll ask you not to move because he's trying to do something in you. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be quiet, let me fight for you. But even in that, that's something that you do. Amen? So as you gain the mind of Christ, you gain his intentions, and he asks you to go do something. That's what verse 14 is about. He is the only one who is going to bring life to your situation. That's it. That is it. And he will stir you up. Why? Because he's with you. Why? Because we got out of the way. Why? Because we changed the way that we thought. Meditating on scripture so that where we're going is where Christ wants us to go. Are you guys trucking with me this morning on that? Yeah? Can I get some? All right. 
Now, the basis of that whole thing, ladies and gentlemen, is going back to my original statement. Your investment in fear will cause you to do one of two things. Live or die. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Because if you don't fear the Lord, if there's no deep respect for what he does in your life, then it's there's no other alternative, ladies and gentlemen. It's death. It's stagnancy, if that's even the right way to say that word. You stall out. You ever seen a pond where water isn't coming in and water isn't going out? There's a lot of crap in that thing. But when it's moving, it's refreshed. Hey, the Lord wants to refresh you this morning. He wants to stir you up, but that's not going to happen if we don't get back to the fear of the Lord. Amen? So I'm not, this, this message is not to beat you guys down. I mean, the Lord beat me down all week saying, look, buddy, you don't fear me in these areas. As much as I want to encourage you to say to get back to that because your life will change as you walk out of here. So we have communion this morning. Do we have anybody ready to set that up? Yeah, let's bring that up here. Let's get ready to take up our offering. And Julia, you can bring the band back up. See what I love about this being a communion Sunday is that communion is a time where we can get right before the Lord. And that's what, that's what this time is going to be. I want to make sure that you guys understand that your thought life is so unbelievably important. What you let yourself think causes you to go places that are either good for you or not good for you. You guys can come up here. We're going to take up our, take up our offering first, but that last that last scripture, number 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit. Your spirit needs to be stirred this morning. And the only way that's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, is if you get back to the fear of the Lord. That is the basis of every decision that you make. It has to be. So you guys can go ahead and play. I'm going to pray for this... Uh, this offering, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would use uh, these funds for your your work. And Lord, that you would just release your resources and put in us a heart to give according to what you call us to give this morning. So bless that in Jesus' name. You guys can go ahead.